Welcome to the Big Kickoff League of Ireland podcast with myself Roy Shanahan and Nathan Doyle from thebigkickoff.com. On Tuesday, Shamrock Rovers hosted Slovan Bratislava at Tala Stadium and while they won on the night, Bratislava progressed 3-2 on aggregate. Nathan, I've seen a lot of Euro 2020 games. None of them compared to this game. This was an absolute cracker. I, I loved it from the, the first minute to the very last minute. They were biting at each other, but mostly Shamrock Rovers. It was a hell of a performance. Yeah, look, so you set it up pretty well. It's not often you yeah, team wins a game and then come out disappointed with the result. Yeah, typical. Uh, the one game that I didn't get to see, I, I watched Colby's amount of football over this past month. And the one, I said, you know what? I'll take it a night away. I know. I think you heard you saying even before uh, Tuesday you were going to watch this. So I was like, Grant, Roy has a covered nice one. Turns out to be an absolute stormer of a game. The only thing I've seen really was uh, Richie Towles' goal, which in fairness was an absolute beauty of, of a strike to, to level the tie 2-2 on Edgar. Um, I was saying to even in the fourth leg, he had a good few shots in anger from distance uh, um, over in Bratislava that None that really trouble the goalkeeper, so to see him go in for him to get his fourth goal for Shamrock Rovers, yeah, that's going to be a good milestone for him. But overall, yeah, I'm sure it's a real disappointing uh, game and results for Shamrock Rovers fans, seeing that he got the win. But it was just the first legs of the game I watched this over in Bratislava, they're just really, really poor, and unfortunately, it's come to bite me on the earth now. Well, one thing that I was delighted to see was Danny Mandreu was back in the team. I'd said it before, in a couple of games since Richie Tell came in, he was put back on the bench again. And it didn't make sense to me because he was their best performer, most creative player anyhow. One way or the other, he seemed to be the one that would open up doors. He started, Tell started a little bit deeper in midfield. And when you have those two, plus Graham Bourke, you just have that creativity creativity but they all worked they worked their arse off uh, Lopez was good now in the first half there was a lot of problems they tried to over they were overplaying out from the back they were overplaying all the time trying to get out from the back and they nearly got caught two or three times they changed that in the second half to make sure that that didn't happen in the second half but they they could have easily uh, gave a goal away and ended all their, their hopes instantly in the first half but this is a confident Shamrock Rovers team. They believe in you know passing the ball. The, the manager has installed that into them to pass the ball. So while you know at times they may be making the wrong decision, they are doing the right things at uh, most of the time. Alamanis, superb. Liam Scales, excellent. Gary O'Neill, excellent. I could go through the whole team and 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 tell you. Uh, who was brilliant uh, and who wasn't because there wasn't any of them who, who weren't. Even Joey O'Brien was unbelievable. From the very first minute, they hardied, they pressed, they didn't give Slovan any time. Yeah, I, I, Nathan, I, 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 couldn't, I couldn't fault them. The, the goal that they conceded was probably more than likely eight or nine times out of ten, you're getting a free kick for it. Yeah. It's a, you know, a long ball up the middle. Lopez is about to go up for it. You get a nudge in the back or an, an elbow or a, or a forearm into the back, which he, he just can't go up and head the ball. It bounces for uh, Vice. And then even even with the goal, two two of the team got back. Lopez got back and he still turned them 
inside out and and finished it. So it was a good finish in the end, but probably should have been a free out. I just wonder, Nathan, when you look at our teams, we have a lot of, you know, morale stories where these wins that you say, oh, well, this is, you know, a morale boost or we won this one and we were, it was hard done by. But when do we actually start progressing? You know, especially in this Champions League, when does our, our team start progressing? I'm hoping that this is the first step. I'm hoping you're looking at Shamrock Rovers and going, this is something now we're building on now. We we can compete with with these teams, but there's also there's two or three levels to go forward than that to get anywhere near a Champions League th- uh, situation. And I know that's probably going to take you know yeah. ten, fifteen years, maybe even, but maybe ten years depends on how well Shamrock Rovers progress. But it's you do you do get tired of the, the kind of these yeah. wins that you you know a morale booster. Oh, we 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 did great, but you know we still didn't make it. Yeah, how many times have you heard this? You know, even I think even on the show we talked about big European nights involving Irish teams. You know, even Sean Grover yeah, beating Bratislava was brilliant. I know down this end of the country, we always talk about the night he beat Rosenborg away from home. But you leave with the fact that he actually lost a tie on aggregate and he didn't advance the next round. So while it is brilliant, you know, on paper to be beating these European teams that even non-league fans may have never heard about. Yeah, 100%. Now it has to be the stage where you're advancing past these rounds and even knocking on the door for a Champions League group their qualification, which, like you said, could take a while. It takes more than stuff that happens on the field. It takes a lot of off-field investment and a lot of just patience and time and not rushing it and not panicking, which was seeing something similar in Dundalk. They put such an emphasis on getting into the European group stages and, and, and making that become a consistent team that just completely overhauled the team, brought in the wrong type of players, brought in the wrong type of characters, and it just hasn't worked out. So these things, not only do they need on-field performances, they need off-field performances too, they need off-field patience. And like you, so you just ran through with the Shamrock Rovers starting 11 there, and there's a serious amount of talent in that squad, and even from League of Ireland fans, we should be supporting these soils. Whether you know you, you love Shamrock Rovers or hate them, if they do well, we all do well. It benefits the league as a whole and it benefits Irish football as a whole. So even, I know it's a little bit off what the question you asked, but even the hearing fans, you know, happy to see Shamrock Rovers get knocked out and dropped down to the Europa Conference League. It's ridiculous because if it benefits them, it benefits us. And the goal for everybody in the league is to see Irish teams playing in group stages of European football on a consistent basis. Yeah, 100%. I think if you said it, if Shamrock Rovers are doing well in competitions, it means that the rest of them have to keep the, their levels high and have to follow suit. And we need teams to start dragging the other clubs along. And that's how, you know, that's how levels, you know, you go up the levels is by dragging other people along. You set a standard, the next team has to sort of match that and then set their own standard if they want to bypass it. And you just keep stepping up those ladders and all of a sudden then you're in a position where you, you weren't before and we and we need that as you said about you know the before Nathan the money situation is you get through one round you get through two rounds all of a sudden this money starts helping these clubs you know make that next step as well so we all should be we all should be cheering on every club that or Irish team that gets into Europe and hope they progress I mean what is the likelihood of them winning it? It's zero. That's the truth. Yeah. We all know that. So you just have to, you know, you just have to cheer these teams on, make sure that they they uh, 
get the support that they deserve and uh, it'll benefit everyone in the long run. One of those teams are Dundalk and, and they are true to the next round. They won 5-0 against Newtown. Uh, nothing really nothing really to say about this, bar. Dundalk are just superior. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is another one. I've talked about this a couple of times, you know, when you're watching games, you're like, oh, God, was a talk about the report and this. Yeah, you know, and this is definitely one of them. You know, they, they came into this, the away toy for a look, a really impressive for a win at Oriel Park. But look, you have to get a job done. And it was a Michael Duffy strike on the 52nd minute that well, didn't put the tie to bed. I think Agus' tie was in bed already. It was fast asleep. Where we talked about we even coming into the fourth leg, the, the, the difference in standard compared to the Irish League and the Welsh League is night and day. And it's not often, unfortunately, we can say that about Irish League compared to other leagues around Europe. Even look at the Shamrock Rovers game, must he struggled against the Bradford Labasite. Yeah, look, so I was coming in by what I did see. Uh, Newtown, you got out to a bit of voice there. In fairness to BB, by looking at, at the little bit I did see, we can be very critical of him. Again, rightly so. Uh, very nearly goalkeeper to say the least, but he pulled off uh, multiple uh, decent saves, and one in particular by Newtown's main striker, Rushton, as someone that we pointed out before the fourth leg. He was uh, the top goal scorer with six goals last season. So, well, it's not the most prolific number. He obviously has an eye for goal at the, in the Welsh League. So, if there any chance that came in, indeed, he was equal to them. So, I think if I was trying to nitpick a talking point, just so we can have a little back and forward here, I was surprised Dundalk actually were unchanged from the first leg. I thought he would have rested a few players, especially with such a big game coming up uh, this weekend on Saturday against Finn Harps. Finn Harps on Saturday, excuse me. Yeah. I don't know why I have balls written down on my list. Um, so, yeah, I was surprised actually that, that he, he were completely unchanged. I thought he would have chopped and changed. Not amazingly, but I thought he would have you know, gave some players for the, on, on the fringe, some of the younger lads, like the O'Kane or something, even at start. And yeah, that was probably the one thing that surprised me that he, he went unchanged. I think I would have done the same as him, Nathan, to tell you the truth. I think this team needs to get a bit of confidence back. I think they need to start gelling. They need to start doing the things that the manager is asking them. So this is probably a, the, the best game to do it. A team that you know you're superior than. It's a competitive game. It's a European game. And so everyone takes it serious and, you know, they're focused as well. So I think all round for the manager, it's a, it's a win-win he has players he needs to get results now he, he can't worry about young players coming in and stuff like that he needs to think about who are his best players are if, if there's a couple of young players in that great if they're not he needs to play his best team and keep looking to get himself back up that table because as we know already it's what Dundalk are all about now yeah well look they're definitely a bigger fish to fry now in this uh, competition don't they uh, it's going to be playing the winner of St. Joseph's from Gibraltar and uh, Liverpool Talon from Estonia who are playing tomorrow it's more than likely going to be Talon Talon are leading that all 3-1 and as yet so it, it's going to have to be a major comeback by the Gibraltar side to, uh, to be facing Dundalk so yeah I suppose all eyes on that game tomorrow along with the, the, the two Irish teams that were involved in the Europa Conference League tomorrow uh, tomorrow evening yeah, and when you look at it, Nathan, I mean, there's a first qualifying round, second qualifying round, third qualifying round, and if that's not enough, then you have a playoff round. So it's it's tricky enough to try and get into this league. Yeah, when I first uh, heard of the, the Conference League probably coming to fruition, you thought, well, this could actually be a, a more realistic opportunity for 
Irish teams to play more consistently in the group stages of a major UEFA European competition. But we like you said, if you look at some of the names that are that or already in the competition that's going to set to come into it from the likes of the Champions League, it's really, really difficult and toys that are linked to that is just to make it to these stages. There is an awful lot of them. Now I know again it can go back to the, the, the financial gain if you can go on a decent little run even to the playoffs. You know, it will be rewarded financially but it's still it's it has to go back to wanting to be in these competitions on a yearly basis. And yeah, it, it's definitely, for, I don't know about you, but for me, it, it's more difficult than I probably expected to be by looking at some of the teams above. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they get on anyhow. So, But it's great to have European football back. And uh, uh, let's hope, let's hope that uh, Sligo and Bowles can get through their games. Dundalk have got through and we believe Shamrock Rovers have got a buy into the third round, which makes that a little bit easier. Okay, uh, Nathan, the FAI Cup first round draw was made yesterday. What did you make of the draw? And a little bit unlucky for quite a few of the non-league teams. Yeah, it is. Look, you know what we do? We won't show them. And we'll, we want to start taking a few little talking points. We'll, we'll do that. I suppose before we do get in, there's, you know, you, you with so many teams involved in the first round, you probably get a real, you know, glamour type of wars. Like you said, for a non-league team, you know, playing the likes of Shamrock Rovers or Dundalk or something like that. So, yeah, we're sort of lacking a real glamour type at the minute. Um, okay, we'll kick things off. Fairview Rangers will be hosting uh, Finn Hearts. So, yeah, difficult toy for, for the Limerick side. Uh, London will only for Finn Hearts as well. Then we have an all-fourth division clash between Wexford and Capitelli. Then we have probably one of the toys of the round in all Premier Division clash between Drottle United and Dave City. These be two sides that you'd imagine, wouldn't you, that have high expectations and going on a, on a good FAI Cup run, especially if you look at the decent enough uh, the league standing, the squad that you have available to them and the fact that they realistically won't be in a title uh, challenge this season. So they can probably just focus all their efforts on going on a, on a long FAI Cup uh, run. So, yeah, one of them's going to have to leave early days. Uh, Liffey Wanderers have a difficult toy uh, at home, the Cold Ramblers. Best luck to Liffey Wanderers. A little shout out to the manager, Declan Heady, who we know well. He's only new into the job. And yeah, that's, that's not the toy that he probably would have been looking for. He probably would have been looking to play one of the more high profile teams up in the Premier Division. There we have another cracking toy, in my opinion. UCB against Shelbourne. That's a really good one. Uh, then we have a triple header of three non-league Dublin teams starting off with Crumley United they will be playing St. Moctis then we have Calesta Donacarney who will be playing Usher Celtic then we have St. Kevin Spoyers playing Kilnamana Spoyers actually a couple of uh, former League of Ireland names connected with Kilnamana these days Dean Clark David Lucas Limerick Shamrock Rovers St. Pat's he scored uh, two goals to get Kilnamana into this stage of the competition uh, also captained by former uh, league winner Conor Kenna so a lot of league ball experience in our ranks this to see how we can get on this tournament would be very interesting. They'd be disappointed, yeah, Nathan, yeah. won't they, that they didn't get one of the, the, the Premier Division teams. That's what they're looking for. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Like I was saying with Lippy Wands, they'd be the same. The, 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 the clubs I just mentioned there, the, the, all the Dublin clubs and all the, the non-league clubs, yeah, they'd be getting disappointed. They'd be looking for the big day out against them. Against a, a, a bigger named opponent. Uh, moving now, we have Sligo Rovers, they were playing Cork City, interesting clash. Probably non league team that'll be the happiest with the draw will be College Corinthians from Cork. They'll be hosting uh, Bohemians at the long journey down to Cork for Bowles. So we'll see how they're going on with that one. Then we have Athlone Town versus Waterford. 
Treaty United versus Dundalk, Shamrock Rovers versus Galway United, Minnesota University Town versus Malahide United, then Pats versus Bray, and then we have Bangor Greenhill to be facing Longford Town at home. So, yeah, uh, like you're saying, a lot of the non-league sides, for lack of a better term, will be definitely disappointed for the Bar College Corinthians. I don't know about you. Like I said, I'm looking forward to UCD against Shelbourne. I think that has the potential to be possibly the, the, the tired around. Is there anyone that stood up to you? Yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing Treaty United and Dundalk now. Dundalk obviously getting a couple of wins under their belt now, so that's helping them out. But Treaty have been rock hard. You know, it, it's very hard to break them down. They, they're rock solid. They, you know... They've been good this year, so you'll get 110%, as they say, even though you can only give 100% out of them every week. So it'll be interesting to see. Dundalk will have to be at the top of their game to be treaty. When you look at the rest of it, yeah, it's a little bit disappointing. Again, you look at Manute the Malahide, they'd be disappointed. Uh, Pats and, and Bray, you kind of... You, you're kind of looking at the, the, the draw and you were kind of hoping that, you know, maybe a minute got a Pats and a Bray got a Malahide and, you know, you kind of spread it around a bit. But, uh, yeah. listen, there's a few of those teams are getting into the second round draw, so it, the, those those chances are there for them. But, uh, yeah, listen, this is why we like it. We, we like to see these teams go into the FAI Cup and it makes it interesting. And they're to be played on Sunday the 25th of July. So we'll be looking forward to that, Nathan. Definitely, yeah. It's uh, coming around taking fast. We just get this weekend now a lot of games back to our normal um, Premier Division and Fourth Division schedule, and then yeah, straight into the FAI Cup. So here's hoping, here's hoping we can get um, again. I hate saying the term non-league team, but we nice to see one or two of them go on a decent run, wouldn't it? So here's hoping. Yep. Okay. Last weekend, the uh, European Championship Finals 2020 in 2021 in Wembley against England versus Italy there was a bit of a, 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 a negativity and uh, some unsavoury scenes during, before, during and after the final whistle obviously we know England lost on penalties but it nothing got to do with how the fans uh, a lot of fans and I, I'm not really with this thing of minority anymore it's no. There's minority can be you could look at minority in any way you could look at minority and say you know seven out of the ten people over across the road aren't causing problems but three out of ten is a lot of people to be causing problems and you just don't see the problems you know storming the gates storming the stewards and uh, punches being thrown it, it was it was baffling one of the things that I couldn't understand Nathan this is the mindset of these people is that there's people who are breaking into Wembley Stadium but then there's people who are watching people breaking into the stadium and then they feel it's okay for them to attack those people and then kick them on the head uh, on the ground and kick them in the stomach and do what they feel they want to do and this is not a minority well minorities don't stand beside each other so there is something culturally wrong over there where they let it, it it seems to be okay to hit people, to to punch people, to throw bottles. You don't see that in Ireland, and and I don't. You know, if if you see it from someone, they will get ridiculed from everyone else. You just don't see it because 
it's not in our makeup. You want to go and you want to enjoy your football. And there was a, a fella from America and his wife is Danish and their kid, they were over at the the, or the Denmark-England game, which also had a rush of people. Uh, that, that stadium was nearly full for that semi-final. And so I'm amazed how they didn't see that it was going to happen again at the final. But he was going home on the bus with his wife and his daughter. The bus got raided uh, by England fans. He got punched and kicked to the ground for nothing at all. And this is what yeah. England fans you know, are. Now, again, it isn't obviously the majority, obviously, you know. But when people say minority, it makes it sound like there's, there's, you know, there's a group of four or five out there who are doing it. There is a lot of, you know, people who can't go out and enjoy themselves without damaging something or hitting someone or hurting someone. And it's just, it, it's baffling. What was your thoughts on that, Nathan? And yeah. when you look at the, you look at the supposed World Cup bid in 2030 with the home nations, as they call it, plus Republic of Ireland, can you see that happening? Would you like to see that happen? Yeah, well, everything that happened on Sunday night has really, really put a dampener around this talk of the 2030 World Cup bid. Uh, disgusting scenes, absolutely disgusting. Like you said, I've seen it like already since Sunday, and now only a couple of days removed. And it's been, oh, well, it was only the minority, and it was only a small number of people. Like I said, it wasn't. We do look um, in the league world isn't perfect. We actually do have. I know you, we won't consider any issues that go on in the league world games. The minority, I really, really would. I'm not just saying that. I've been been to been to enough of these league of Ireland games to know that. You know, I've seen the ugly side of it, unfortunately, but it's definitely a minority. You know, you're always going to get a couple of idiots ruin the experience or whatever. But this is something that I think is ingrained in the DNA at this stage of English football. You know, it, it seems to be the bigotry, the, the drunken hooliganism and the violence. You know, it's something that's been going on for decades now and something that seems to be going on hand in hand. You know, you only have to look of, you know, the like, the, the doing when it comes to taking the knee, the, the racial abuse of these kids. And that's all they are. These are only young men that miss these penalties. Lads younger than themselves, and the women are 25. So, you know, we had a teenager in Saka who played for Arsenal and missing the key penalty and the abuse that these lads have taken online. Makes it sick. It really, really does make it sick to your stomach. You know, we've seen stewards assaulted, fighting, open drug use, like you said, those ticklish fans, storm in the entrance, property damage. It's, it was just a really, really bad look. And it's, it's something you never want to be talking about coming out of a major festival like the Euro 2020 final. And as good as the game it was, you know, it, it, it was a decent enough final, but it wasn't fantastic. And we can all slack and joke from, as an Irish fan, you know, that you may, you may be happy to see Italy win, whatever your prerogative is, it doesn't really matter, but that's all taking a back seat now, really, hasn't it? Nobody's really talking about the actual game itself or the, the triumph of Italy and how good that Italy side is and just that and the other. It's all about these negative stories and, like you were saying, unfortunately, it just wasn't, it's not a once-off in English football and it's not a once-off in this tournament. It's been an ongoing issue seemingly since decent crowds to come back to Wembley Stadium. You know, it was looking at people blaming and, you know, trying to point out and like you're saying, the minority blame and, you know, the, the lack of organisation and the lack of policing has also been blamed. But personal responsibility also has to come into field. And if you feel you can't go to a game of football uh, where there's families around, kids around, 
If you can't go to the Spain without getting pissed drunk out of your mind, punching people, being homophobic, racist, just generally a nasty person, just don't go to these games because the sport of football would be better off without you. Yeah, no, I totally agree. So will Harry Maguire. I believe Harry Maguire, his father has suspected broken ribs from the, the, the onslaught of rushing fans who didn't have tickets. Uh, people, you know, who had tickets to go and watch the game standing out the side of the, the, the seats because others wouldn't let them sit down. As you said, there was racial abuse in there uh, constantly from these fans who, who, who broke in. The, there was uh, there was punches thrown and just general like listen just being an arsehole that's just basically yeah. it and unfortunately there is a lot of arseholes over there who seem to think that this is is fun that this is uh, what is if you I don't care what they say a lot of them were talking about well these people are out since 8 o'clock in the morning and they're drinking and you know this is obviously one of the reasons why. That's a lot of harsh shit. Irish yeah. fans can go out and they can drink all day and all night and still be pleasant at the end of a night and not cause problems and, you know, chant to, to the Swedish fans, go home to your sexy wives and, you know, have the crack, have the banter. But no, this is not, the, this. The, these are tugs oh, and, oh, and lowlifes really, in fairness. Yeah, big time, definitely. Again, Speaking personally, the likes of they were here in the podcast, and I can. We've done it, you know. We've been to away games, back in long days, early starts, late finishes, and you know, it was a mate. Personally, I like you know, have a couple of beers, we 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 have a bit of crack, a bit of fun. Not once does that escalate into violence at any stage, or not once does uh, escalate to racial abuse or homophobic or xenophobic abuse, and not should it. And like I said, it happens in Ireland. I'm not saying it doesn't, but it's quickly nipping the board and it's quickly nipping the board with the people that are around the person involved you know so if we were to hear anybody making you know any disgusting comments or any violence started you know it's all, it seems to be police within itself where it's I don't know the cultural difference or what it is where over in England it seems to be you know once something ignites and it seems to spread and spread and spread and it gets completely out of hand and Look, I suppose we, we don't want to keep giving these idiots any sort of airtime because that's all they are. And like I said, it's the best thing that can happen to football is these people leave and these people just, just stop having any association with it because it, it's been shown that they're not fans of the game itself. They're not fans of the game in pure sense. They're just a lot of them are just there to cause violence and body is, you know, sort of moments and it's killing the game it really is you know it's stopping the game becoming as inclusive as it should be and you know there's fans that even I know that you know could be from whatever you know racial background or sexual orientation and this does put them off coming down to games and it breaks your heart to see because it shouldn't be it should just be a sport that everyone can come in and enjoy and I know that might be in an ideal world and don't get me wrong I'm not you know, I'm not blind to, to, to the bad side of football. Football can be a disgusting sport and it wants to be. And we've seen it here on Sunday. And yeah, it's just it is a really, really shame to see. But look, we just, we sort of jump on to, like you're saying, the, the, the World Cup beat did in 2040. And because the question I want to try out to you would be do you think this beat can survive without England? As bad as all this stuff is, and as bad as, as, as you know, we hate to see all this carry on going down. And I think, like, 
I think they might have fell in, in the estimation of UEFA a little bit. I'm not too sure about FIFA. They've shown that they seem to like Wembley Stadium as a major venue. You know, they've used the Champions League finals and they've used it here now for the Euros. Yeah, but I suppose, can't this be survive without the inclusion of England? Well, I think that just goes down to the capacities that ne- that's needed for a World Cup staging. And you need to have big stadiums and and that's it. Okay, let's see what we have. We have possibly Croke Park. So there you have... And and that will need to be temporary seating because Croke Park is not an all-seater stadium. Already that's another one that that I feel is... Not that it's out of question, but it's still not ideal. Still, you know, you have a hole, one section behind the goal. Yeah. That's not a seater. And plus... It's the major issue of getting the likes of GAA and the booking as well. We've seen the GAA in the past, it, it, even as recently as 2016, saying they have no interest in hosting a major football uh, tournament or a major football competition. Okay, so now I've looked at, and I'm nearly contradicting myself here, I have the uh, stadiums for the 2018 FIFA World Cup in Russia by capacity. So the Luzhniki Stadium, which holds 78,011. But then you go down to St. Petersburg, 64,000. Then after that, everything is under 45,000. So this tells me, and they had 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 stadiums. So can Ireland, Wales and Scotland come up with 12 stadiums over or under 45,000? Probably the majority of them between 33, which is the bottom one here and 45,000 and you need to have a couple of big stadiums which you would have if you yeah. look at you know yeah, C- yeah. Celtic Millenn- Park Millenn- and the Millennium Stadium, stadium. Like uh, the Viva would be you know your 50,000 stadium so it probably could be possible but it's it's a push isn't it 12 stadiums yeah and not only the stadiums you know you have to look even away from that stadiums obviously are very important but you also need a, a Transportation links. You need no transportation in and around these cities. Now you need accommodation facilities and training facilities for all the teams that are going to be involved. Bring back the city and while, yeah, yeah, <laughs> and while, <laughs> and while you don't, uh, it's, it's, these options will be available. Like, like Ireland, Scotland, Northern Ireland, Wales, yeah. like you know, the major cities have decent transportation systems. But well, even look at Dublin. Now that it's close, close to home for me and you. It's still miles off the pace of something like somewhere like London. Absolutely miles off the pace in terms of transportation. So while that is all the boring, nitty gritty, gritty stuff, there still is other yeah, boxes that need to be ticked outside of the, the standards of stadiums that are available. So no is the answer, Nathan? Yeah, no is the answer for me. I, I don't think you can survive without England. I, I actually think England is the draw behind the states. Realistically, I think that's the name that's going to stand out. To or it, or it was, Nathan. Yeah, I suppose, isn't it? It's how you see this. Like I was saying, just a couple of minutes ago, they obviously did see Wembley Stadium as an attractive big venue for these big games. But it really has let itself down. It really, really has. You know, if you talk about the violence and, and all this, it's going back to the games. But that has definitely, there the, the was certainly an issue in terms of the shooting and police and organisation at Wembley Stadium. And like you can even hear that from people that have gone to other major European, European games, a major football matches around the world that 
the policing level was just completely off par compared to the other massive games in the European Championship or World Cups or Copa Americas or whatever it may be. Okay, and again, I'm looking at the Scottish, I'm just kind of Googling as you were talking there. You have Celtic Park, 60,000, Hamden, 51,000, Ibrox, 50,000. After that, then, you're kind of looking in the tens and the teens and, and so on. Uh, you would have the Murrayfield. I'm sure they could convince the rugby to, to help along there as well. So that would be another, I'm not sure what that is, but it's definitely around forty to 50,000 as well. So you're talking four in Scotland. Uh, you're talking in Wales, possibly three, would you say? You've got... Yeah, the Millennium, Cardiff City. And Swansea. Ah, Liberty. Yeah, yeah. So there's your three. So there's seven. You've got two in Ireland. That is nine. I don't know what's what is the north. What is um, Windsor Park? Windsor Windsor Park's the only one that that came to mind. You know, you you might be again looking at the Ulster Rugby Stadium. I'm not too up on the Rugby Stadium, so you could have another option uh, with that one. But yeah, Windsor Park would be the only one for me that that comes to mind. I'm talking about. The stadium that can hold, um, you know, big marquee games that you get with the World Cup. Right. Well, that's only eighteen and a half thousand, so that's a, that's a real problem there. So, yeah, you're 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 kind of looking no, at <laughs> unless you you jumped into bed with the GAA to help you out with stadiums, it would be a big struggle. Yeah, it's looking like that. Yeah, it really is. Like saying, seen it in the past with GAA. They uh, they. We've made our relationship with, with Irish football known uh, from the off. You know, we've even seen the struggle. Remember the the, the Liam Miller uh, tribute game that, that yeah. happened down in Cornwall Park. And so, if if they couldn't give give up on the stadiums for a tribute game like that, I, I find it very very difficult to see them doing it for a block of games in a World Cup over summer. Money talks, Nathan. Money talks. Okay, yeah. listen, we we we'll, we'll leave it there with that. They listen. If if they get the right amount of money, you don't think they they give the Republic of Ireland, uh, you know, uh, a free walk into Croke Park? They got their money's worth out of that. So if they if they got their their guaranteed money from the World Cup, they I think they jump at it. Okay, any transfers, Nathan, that we can look at for this week in July still? It's a J- July window, isn't it? It is a July window, yes. Um, I just, yeah, it's, I think like a transfer window, you know, you have loads of chopping chains, and so I'm just going to pick out even one or two of the big stories to have a bit of chat with them. Quick little shout out to Waterford, you know, they've been signing really, really sensibly, so, you know, badly needed to, to get themselves up out of relegation zone. It's becoming an interesting uh, battle anyway between themselves and Hearts only a four-point gap there now. But uh, the, the one story that stood out for me and I thought was interesting was regarding the future of very fitting stories like David Parkhouse. Uh, Cliftonville manager of uh, Paddy McLaughlin has come out and confirmed that uh, an offer has actually been rejected by Derry City for the, the striker. Uh, it was included in a player swap deal for Cliftonville goalkeeper Alan McCurry who Dundalk fans and obviously now we played between the six last season uh, swapping around with himself and Gary Rogers so yeah that's that deal uh, has been rejected by Derry City but it's not off the table just yet uh, the Clifton-Dale manager McLaughlin has come back and said that he's still very keen to sign the, the, the 21 year old striker ahead of the new uh, NIFL season so yeah it's um, big, big name big name signing someone that you know is only 
recently signed a three year deal at Derry City. So it's probably an unexpected name. You could probably say that you didn't think would have left Derry so soon, but unfortunately, it just hasn't really worked out in this season. Made 17 appearances, he hasn't scored a single goal. Uh, he's been decent enough in terms of he's off the ball, walking, holding up the play, and has a decent relationship with the likes of Akatunde, but this man was brought in. Uh, to be the, the goal scorer for Derry City and it just hasn't happened from a call uh, this season but he wasn't even in the squad for the 1-0 defeat against St. Patch so that, whether that was you know down to this uh, transfer apparently taking place I'm not too sure we'll have to keep our eye out now uh, Derry City back in action uh, this weekend against Shamrock Rovers and Friday so we could see David Parker back in the Derry side but yeah please keep an eye on this one David Parker going to Cliftonville it doesn't seem to be going anywhere at the moment Okay. Yeah. No, it's interesting actually that the the link with the north northern teams is there this year. Um, just interesting to see how that progresses over the next couple of windows. This weekend we have obviously a full games for first division and for the Premier Division this week. Games on the Friday, games on the Saturday, and also Nathan games on the Sunday. On the Sunday, Bowes play Longford and Waterford play Sligo. Saturday. Dundalk against Finn Harps and Cove versus Cabin Teeley. and of course the majority of the games are on Friday night with Bray against Galway Derry against Shamrock Rovers St. Pat's and Drogheda at Lowntown your boys against Shelbourne Treaty UCD and Wexford Cork and again listen there's, there's so many good games there and Treaty and UCD are go- is going to be interesting Derry and Shamrock Rovers and it'll be very interesting to see Bray and Galway. Can Galway go and stretch their their winning run? Uh, again, they're in second place now, which they've kind of just, you know, grinded their way up to that position. Yeah, now looking forward to it, definitely. Uh, handy three points for me, boys, at loan. Uh, you'd imagine. <laughs> Coming up against Shelbourne. Shells are crumbling yeah, after know, last week. Yeah, yeah, I tell you, it, it is. To get us coming home to England, it's coming home to the town. They're only a sixth place now, so you know we might need a bit of a, a decent run on form. But yeah, who knows? Everything is possible. Now looking forward to running from uh, some definitely intriguing games, especially on the Friday night. Okay, thanks very much for listening in. If you want to contact us, it's the big kickoff uh, ninety six point four at gmail dot com. You can also contact us through social media on Facebook, Twitter. Instagram, in you know, whatever else there is out there, LinkedIn. And of course, you can uh, subscribe to the Big Kickoff League of Ireland show on YouTube and the Big Kickoff football show. And um, do that. And we will talk to you next week.